of the Holy Spirit. I love the quartet. It's a little example of how four different voices singing four different parts can come together in such a beautiful offering. And isn't that kind of like the church? The Lord has given us each unique talents and gifts. And when we come together Singing the same, from the same sheet of music, it's such a blessing. And so thank you for that. I just want to welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, our friend, our God. I am so thankful that you have chosen to be here this morning on such a beautiful day. For it is a gift. Your presence is a gift to one another. And my heart tells me that your heart is prepared to worship our God. And that gives me joy. And I know that you've come prepared in seeking greater light and truth, seeking repentance and love, and seeking the kingdom. And when we do these things, we know that the Lord blesses the desire of our hearts. And so I want to call us to worship by reading... From the Book of Mormon, the third chapter, beginning with verse 27. And this is Mormon speaking to the remnant of the house of Israel that remained after the terrible loss they suffered in their final battle. Know ye that ye must come to the knowledge of your fathers? And repent of all your sins and iniquities, and believe in Jesus Christ, that He is the Son of God, and that He was slain by the Jews, and by the power of the Father He hath risen again, whereby He hath gained the victory over the grave, and also in Him is the sting of death swallowed up. And he bringeth to pass the resurrection of the dead, whereby man must be raised to stand before his judgment seat. And he hath brought to pass the redemption of the world, 
whereby he that is found guiltless before him at the judgment day hath it given unto him to dwell in the presence of God in his kingdom, to sing ceaseless praises with the choirs above unto the Father and unto the Son and unto the Holy Ghost, which are one God in a state of happiness, which hath no end. Let us turn to hymn number one and sing a ceaseless praise. Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Father, we humbly come before you in your house this very day, Lord, asking that your Holy Spirit would be with us, that you would be with each word that comes out of my brother Jared's mouth today, Lord, as he stands here in your stead. I ask, Lord, that uh, you would encourage and enlighten all that attend, for all that believe, that your Son, Jesus, is the way, the truth, and the life, and that all that come to him can have eternal life with you. Please continue to uh, guide, lead, and direct us. Help us that uh, all that we do brings you honor and glory forever and ever. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.
Prophetry today, I'd like to read from the book of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. It came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus, answering, said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. The reason I read from that today is because uh, I feel as though when we come to worship God and we give our offerings, it's one of the ways, not every way, but one of the ways in which we are saying we're trying, at least trying to be like that one who came back and gave glory to God and thanked Jesus for being healed. And we're giving him thanks for all the blessings that he's given us. Bow with me. Dear Lord, our Father in heaven, we give you thanks for all of our blessings and for, for your uh, power and your mercy. We give uh, our offerings to you today that they may go to the building of your kingdom and to the, the temporal needs of your children on earth. We give this, these, this thanks for all these things in your name. Amen.
If you'd like to follow along with the scripture reading, you turn to the book of John, the 8th chapter, verses 31 through 32. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. this morning and for the time and your talents that you offer unto our Heavenly Father. Saints, I have an advertisement for you this morning, or a commercial, if you will, and you'll probably hear and you've seen and you'll hear about different things today and this week. 
But this is something that you cannot buy. It's freely given. And it's up to you to choose. And last week, my family and I had the opportunity to have this come into our home. And it was a priesthood visit. If you haven't had a priesthood visit in a while, and I will be honest, we have not, then I would suggest that you get with a priesthood member and you schedule it. The hour that we spent that day, probably besides the time we were here that morning, was the most valuable hour of my week. And the testimonies that we shared there and the testimonies that came out of that meeting will echo through eternity. We had Josiah Carnahan and Mark Holville come and sit down and share with us. And we talked about prayer. We talked about those things of the kingdom. And they, they asked us if we had testimonies to share about prayer. And of course, I have, I have testimonies, and I, I shared one, and, and Evelyn shared a testimony of hers, which brings a smile to her father's face. And then Amy shared a testimony that I had forgotten of clothes when he was little. And if you don't know, we live about three and a half miles to the east, a little off of 24 Highway. And next to us lives um, family, next to them lives family. So our kids, even when they were very little, would run back and forth between the houses. And Cloden had a, uh, a Lego piece that he had lost between the houses. Now, I don't know how old he was. I'm going to say he was pretty, pretty little. And I think for us adults, a lost Lego piece isn't the end of the world. It's not something that really troubles us or bothers us. But it bothered him. It was important to him and that, that child state that he was in in his mind. And so they prayed over that. They prayed that they would find that Lego piece. And you know the story. You know what's going to happen. They found the Lego piece. And what that tells me is our Heavenly Father is concerned with us through our entire lives. It doesn't start when you're baptized. It doesn't start when you're ordained into the priesthood. It doesn't start when you're married. It doesn't start when you have a new job. It's from the very, very beginning. And he knows each of us personally, and he knows what's on your hearts and those questions that are on your mind. When I was a child, I had a question, and I think I was around Evelyn's age, probably in the fifth or sixth grade. And, of course, I was brought up in the church. I had that benefit, if you will. So I knew of Zion. I knew the things that we had to do, and it, it's for lack of better words, it stressed me out. I had anxiety. What should I be doing? I should be doing something more. What can I be doing? And that, that went through my head probably for six to eight months, I remember. Then one day we were at church, and I was uh, in class, and the uh, priest member who was teaching that class, he stopped. He's like, I want to tell you all something. He's like, here's what you should be doing right now to bring forth the kingdom of Zion. He said, obey your parents, come to church, learn through your schooling, study, and pray. And I was relieved. I was relieved for two reasons. Number one, that seemed easy to me at the time. I could do that. Maybe I didn't obey my parents that often, if you would ask them. But I, I could do those things. So I was relieved. The second is the Lord answered my prayer. He knew what was on my heart. He knew what I was praying about. He knew what worried me. And so... As I've grown older, I've come to realize the question not be, might not be what should I be doing, but it is what am I doing? 
Are those things that I am doing today and tomorrow and last week, are they beneficial to bringing about the kingdom of God here on earth? You would probably say that this restoration began with a question. We know that Joseph Smith had that question, which church should I join? I'm sure that troubled him. I'm sure he talked with others about that. But finally, he read in the book of James, the first chapter, verse 5, and you're all familiar, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. And you can see, what, as we stand here today, as we sit here today, that that question has brought about this movement. And so as you sit there, and you listen to me this morning, or as you go about your lives, I know that you have questions. And I would say to take those questions to God and ask yourself, what am I doing? We know that the first step in this church is that of rebirth. To accept Jesus Christ as Lord for time and eternity through the baptism of water and the baptism of the Spirit. This is primary and necessary for your salvation. For some, it involves an awakening. You or me may have been living passively in this environment. And what do I mean by that? Is that you know of Christ, you speak of Christ, but that you don't do things in his name. You don't really stretch forth or ask, what else can I do? But now awake to the necessity of following the leadership of Jesus with earnest effort. And for others, it's a new experience altogether. We got a witness last Sunday to reach forth their hand and partake of the sacrament for the first time. So this is their first time coming into this church, this new experience, that they can leave the country of evil and become citizens of the kingdom of righteousness, of the kingdom of God. Whatever your background, the most important step that we ever take is wholeheartedly enlisting in the service of our Lord. The individual who thus enlists finds their place in life. And you can find this in multiple scriptures, Acts 2.36, 2 Corinthians 5.17, and I'll read from Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This enlistment pardons past rebellions. And you're thinking to yourself, Jared, what do you mean by that? Well, this morning as we sat in family worship, if you came to that service, you heard of a testimony of an individual who had a pretty rough life. And even though that those would try to interact with her and get her to realize or come to God that she was rebellious against that. And she probably thought to herself, those things that I have done in my life, they are so horrible that nobody or no thing could ever love me. But you all know that that's wrong. You know that's not the case. Before we enlist, we are all unprofitable to God. He puts us here to be profitable to him, to serve him, and to bring others unto him. And some are in actual rebellion against him. And you're probably thinking to yourself, I've done some things. We've heard testimonies from this pulpit. Tony preached about this not too long ago, about things in his life when he was driving back from Columbia. He prayed to God. He realized those things, and he changed. I do that continually. You do that continually. I know you do. 
And you think to yourself, those things are horrible. I, there's, there, there's no way I can be forgiven for some of those things. Let me, let me read a story to you that I'm sure is familiar. Mosiah, the 11th chapter, 159. Now the sons of Mosiah were numbered among the unbelievers, and also one of the sons of Alma was numbered among them. He being called Alma after his father, nevertheless he became a very wicked man, an adulterous man. So I stop and I ask myself, he became wicked and adulterous. That means at one time he probably wasn't. I'm sure he was raised in the church he knew of God. But he turned from that. He turned completely away from that. And it gets worse. And, and he was a man of many words and did speak much flattery to the people. Therefore, he led many of the people to do after the manner of his iniquities. So not only did he take himself away, he took others away with him. And became a great hindrance to the prosperity of the church of God, stealing away the hearts of the people. Causing much dissension among the people, giving a chance for the enemy of God to exercise his power over them. And of course, you know, as that story goes on, about the visitation from heaven, the changed hearts, repentance, redemption. God is eager for your heart's love that he holds nothing of this against us. Let me repeat that. He is so eager for your love to him that he will not hold things against you if you come into repentance, faith believing that he will forgive you. Once we enlist, we are treated as righteous because of our enlistment, not as sinners because of our past rebellion. In Romans, the third chapter, verse 23 and this is Paul declaring this to the Romans, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So he just says right from, the, right from the beginning, everybody has sinned and you're short of the glory of God. Therefore being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So who is the redemption? It's Christ Jesus. Whom God has set forth to be a prop, excuse me, propitation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he may be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So there is redemption. If you would do this and trust in God, you wouldn't be endowed with power from on high. And we can find that in Acts, the second chapter, 37 through 47. I'll read portions of this. What shall we do? So there's the question. What shall we do? Same question I had when I was younger. And then Peter said unto them, Repent. It's simple. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And what does that Holy Ghost do for us? It's a guide. Direction. That small voice that will prompt you, that will answer those questions. When you ask, that will lead the way for you when it's dark. And that comforter. And to all of that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call you. So he's talking about even those that aren't here. This is the same for them. We talked about in class today how there, there is a, what was the word? A scarcity, a shortage, a famine of the word of God in our land today. And this is the promised land. And for us to sit here and to say that, that's, that's scary. Before we know what's happening in the world today. 
But this is the glorious truth. The great doctrine of justification by repentance and faith is that persons, you and me, who truly repent, turning from the ways of sin and turning to the ways of righteousness, need have no fear of yesteryears or yesterdays. Such persons are treated as just by reason of their faith and repentance, excuse me, of their faith and repentance in God and welcome back into the family of Christ without reservation. Paul never tired of proclaiming this great truth. You can find that in Acts 13, 38 through 39. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. The law of Christ, which is truth and intelligence, allows us, and his death allows us to be justified. Jesus is the key. I think you all would agree with me on that one. Jesus is key. He sits at that judgment seat in which we can enter the kingdom. He wants us to be with him. He wants us to bring others to him. He wants us, through our gift of agency, to be an active participant in our own salvation. Let me repeat that. He wants us, through our gift of agency, which he has given to each of us, to be an active participant in our own salvation. He died on the cross for you and for me, so we might be saved, but it's up to you to make that choice to follow him and to be saved. When we have peace with God through our faith, he does not remember our past sins against us. And if we continue in the faith and in the service of our Lord, these sins are truly forgiven. Paul wrote in, Greek, excuse me, in deep gratitude in Titus 3, 3 through 7, For we ourselves are also sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. But after that, the kindness of, and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration, a renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Jesus' act is, is not the only thing that is necessary for our salvation. The best gifts requires something of those whom they are given. I can present to my children the opportunity for education. We can take them to school. Or for those that are taught in the homes, they can be homeschooled. I can pay for the best universities, best colleges, whatever it might be. I can present that to them. But they have to make the conscious decision to actively participate and to learn in that education Similarly, the free gift which is offered to every person by the grace of God is of value only to those who accept the gift and shape their lives according to its requirements. This involves much more than a mere recognition of what Jesus had done. 
It involves the enlistment and service taught by Peter at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. I'm not going to read that for you this morning. But in the book of John 1.12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And then Paul in Philippians 2.12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my own presence only, so not only when I'm here, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So he acknowledges the fact that you have to be a participant in your own salvation and to do it with fear and trembling. For those decisions that you make will have consequence going forward. We all know that the work of salvation is not complete. Much of what remains to be done is in our hands. We have, called, we have been called to become the sons of God if we continue to observe all things. We inherit the promises. And you can find that in Matthew 28.20. If we fail to continue in his way of life, we have no promise. The decision is yours. Jesus said in Matthew 7.30-33, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. So there he says, you can recognize me as Lord. So I know that you know who I am. But it doesn't mean you're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So not only do you have to recognize, but you have to do. And many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. So I've done, I've, I've done work, is what they're saying. And in, the name, in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I say, ye never knew, ye never knew, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So it matters what we do. It matters what we say. Earnestness, or I want to do something, is not enough. The act of doing is much more. You have to submit to the righteousness of God or the will of God. You have to be submissive to his will. Paul wrote in Romans 10, 1 through 3, Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So they were submitting righteousness unto themselves for their own honor and their own glory, but not according to our Heavenly Father's. And Paul, also in Hebrews 6, 4, excuse me, 6, 4 through 6, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. I would say that's us. And have tasted of the good word of God. We've done that. And the powers of the world to come, and that they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So those are the consequences for those that turn away. We are not saved by a single act of devotion. Only the continuous serving of God in harmony with his instructions received. And in John 8, 31 through 32, which I read at the beginning, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue my word, then ye are my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You know, the Apostle John was deeply concerned about the very, this very problem among the early saints. 
And he wrote to those who had already made a covenant with Christ. In 2 John 1, 8-9, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. So we have blessings that have been given to us, those, things that, those acts that we have done, but that's not enough. He says here, so we have those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. So there's more to come through more work. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. The saintly life is a new life. But we have need of covenant through waters of baptism and the Spirit. Probably the best example of this is in John 3, when Nicodemus, who's a ruler of, of the Jews, so he recognized, he recognized Jesus, and he came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, but for no man can do those miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So he recognized who Jesus was. He recognized the power. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And this perplexed Nicodemus. What do you mean, be born again? And in five, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. So it's not enough to believe we have to be baptized, and then we have to work out our own salvation. Paul counsels that we are all in this together. So this can be a daunting thought to us as we go through life, that I'm alone, that there's nobody there for me. What should I do? But Paul says we're in this together. In Galatians 3, 27 through 29, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll read a portion. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. We are one. Here to support each other and to help each other. We know that it's a life of strenuous effort, that it's a long race, not a short sprint. Knowing this, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 9.24, Know ye not that which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. The good thing about this race is so that we all can receive a prize. And it's not just a participation medal, but it's the actual prize of time with our Heavenly Father. And there might be days where we seem like we're weak or we, have, or we fail, or we have questions. But the Master reminds us that we are His and that He loves us. In Luke 22, 31-32, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to you, that he may sift the children of the kingdom of wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. The Lord speaking to Simon, behold, Satan hath desired you. He knows that Satan desires us. But you have the choice whether you want to follow him or not. In Proverbs 16.25, there is a way that seemeth right unto man. So we've all done this. But the end thereof are the ways of death. So there's a path. I can have two choices. I can go right or I can go left. I really want to go left. I think that's the right thing to do. And I go left, that leads to destruction or despair. 
When I was um, out of college, not to, uh, to age myself, but back in the late 1990s, 1998, I think I graduated, and I, I got a lot of job interviews. I mean, probably 15, 20, 25 job interviews, and nothing, nothing um, no offers. And this, this bothered me, of course, so I've, I've gone to college. I got, I got decent grades, not great grades, I got decent grades. And I went through college, went through the course, I had a finance degree, I did activities in college, my resume was, was good and solid, and I went on interviews, and I, I did all the things. I went and talked to, to job counselors, I went to job fairs, I talked to people, but I, I didn't get a job. And so I think I was back, uh, probably, it was probably in June, maybe it was July, and my dad said, hey, White, there's an there's a older youth group getting together, why don't you go, why don't you go, you know, just to their activity. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And so I think he said it one more time. Hey, it's going to be next. I don't know how he knew about it, but it's going to be next Friday or whatever it is. Why don't you go? So finally I went, and I didn't really know many people there. Um, but I met, I met an individual, Kim Berry. Maybe some of you might, might know her. Um, I was talking with her, and like, yeah, I'm looking for a job. She's like, well, what do you, what, what's your degree? I'm like, oh, it's finance. She goes, I work for an insurance company. I'm like, okay. And at this point, I'm open. You know, I'm, I want a job. I'm open to anything. We're getting into midsummer, late summer, and I'm living at home. And um, she's like, okay, well, uh, send me. She gave me her, her email, and I, I sent her the resume. And um, long story short, I ended up getting a job with, with that company. It wasn't until I associated myself with those of like mind and faith, I turned to God, turned to his people, that that job was presented to me. And I'm happy to say that that older youth group, that a lot of us um, are older today, I met Amy kind of through the legacy of that, that youth group. I met others through that youth group that are still in the church, church today. So my testimony there is to search out those things of the kingdom, to ask God, to ask other saints, brothers and sisters. Don't be afraid to ask for help. But Jesus seeks you. He loves you. He wants you to be with him. He seeks you out and is not a one-time thing where he leaves you to wander and wonder on your own, but he seeks you every single day. Jesus offered us the grace of forgiveness and has not left us alone. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's our goal. Continuing in Ephesians 14, thence, excuse me, that we henceforth be no more children worried about those Legos that we lost, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of direction, oh, excuse me, wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and the cunning craftness. We talked about this morning in class, about being deceived, about counterfeit. How we, re- we know what the right thing is, but sometimes that counterfeit thing, it looks pretty shiny. It looks pretty good. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they live and wait to deceive. Their lives are there to deceive you. 
But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him all things, which is the head, even Christ. And Jesus said in Matthew 16:24, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Jesus promises us in Revelation 3.21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame. He recognizes that he went through the same struggles that you go through. And I'm set down with my father in his throne. So a charge or a challenge. Stop and ask yourself, what am I doing? And then ask yourself, what should I be doing instead? Pray unceasing. Pick a time to pray each day. It can be with your, with your family. It can be in your closet. It can be on your drive to work or drive home, but pick a time to pray each day. If I said to you, go run a marathon, there might be some here that probably could do it tomorrow, but I think the most of us would probably need to work at it to build up. If you think about that marathon, you're not going to go run a marathon the next day to train for that marathon. If you're in my shape, you're probably going to run a mile at the most. And then you're going to run two, and you're going to run three, and you're going to run. You're going to build up where you can actually run that marathon, that 26 miles. So the same is here of your spiritual life. Do one thing. Pick one thing today, and then do that. Make it a habit. Then pick two things. Make it a habit. Then pick three things. Being this year, Amy and I didn't say this to each other. We didn't say anything about this to each other. But we started going to prayer service. I think it was one Wednesday night, and I think, I don't know which one it was. So said, you wanted to go to prayer service? And everyone's like, yep. And we went to prayer service. We haven't been here every Wednesday night. Those, I know there's those that are here that have. But we've been most of the time to prayer service. And that's our goal, is to make it to prayer service. Pray for one another. Help others. Ask God to lead you in all things. Pick a service that you don't normally attend and start to come. But the Wednesday night prayer service, one thing that we, we did notice when we pulled in, there was a lot of cars here. I think Amy's like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. What's going on is that the brothers and sisters in Christ are here to share their testimonies of God, to testify of him and his goodness. I'll admit, I haven't stood up yet and bore a prayer or a testimony in those. I knew I'd have my chance here at the pulpit, but I should. There's an individual in this branch that I've been, I've been led to two times to pray for, and I haven't done it in those prayer service. So Brother Ed, he starts a new job pretty soon. Chief of Police in Grain Valley, he needs all of our prayers. A year ago, I stood in front of you and said, when the Lord would move upon me in his spirit, I wouldn't not deny it, but I did it two times already this year. Pick a service, prayer service, Sunday night preaching service, for those priesthood members, priesthood meetings, youth groups, for our younger people. Go. I know you have all the answers. I understand. I was your age, I was your age once, but go. Seek out your Heavenly Father. Church camp. Our children went this uh, past couple summers. 
They had great experiences there. Wonderful testimonies. Reunions. That's the one that we're talking about. We want to focus on. Get to reunion. I will promise you this one thing, saints. When you come to a service, or if you go to church camp, if you go to a youth group meeting, if you go to a women's meeting, you will never leave that service or that meeting saying to yourself, man, I wish I would not have gone. I did triathlons for a long time. I had a group of friends that I would train with. We'd get up and run, sometimes 18 miles before work, whatever it might be. It was hard. We didn't like getting up. We would complain to each other, and we like, if I can't wait till this is over, yada, yada. But after we were done working out, we, never, we always said, you know what? I never say, man, I wish I wouldn't have worked out. You will never say to yourself, I wish I wouldn't have gone to church. Ask for forgiveness and forgive others. Witness to others. Tell your testimony, and then tell it again, and then tell it again. And I don't care if you only have one testimony. Keep telling that testimony. Give the honor and glory to God. Acknowledge that Jesus Christ is your Savior and act upon it. In closing, I'd like to read from Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are, excuse me, wherefore, seeing we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Amen and an amen.
Heavenly Father, God in heaven, we're thankful for the words that were shared with us this day. Words of the promise that if we live and walk in the discipleship of Jesus, we shall have the blessings of thy Spirit. And through that Spirit, we might be able to come closer to thee and bring others unto thee. We'll have thy guidance and thy direction. We'll have thy peace and thy love. And in harmony and unity of the faith, we will praise our God and our King. And so, Father, we recognize you as Savior, but we also recognize you as our King. And may that kingdom go forth. And may as we go forth from this place, have a renewed hope being regenerated by that spirit which comes from above. And we're thankful, Lord, for your spirit and your presence. And we pray for those who cannot be here with us today, that you would touch their hearts and their minds, that they might sense that love which comes from the bosom of eternity. And so, Father, be with us as we go. Watch over us, guide us, and keep us. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.